Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey, everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. And this is Rich Swan. Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Rumble. No Hello, and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I'm Ollie Davis, and I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello, Swaff Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis. Very early in the morning. Well, it's not as early for us, I suppose. Mm. Um, how the devil are you? I'm good. I feel productive. Mm. We, we've got in early today. Why did we get in early? I Be- can't remember why. Because we wanted <laughs> to record this video before Laurie right. did the news. Yeah, and I also had to get in to give a, a tablet to a man. You did. It sounds a lot more nefarious than it was. It was a, it was a computer tablet. Yes. So someone could install uh, a Shopify app. Because at the Pro Wrestling Eve show, Pro Wrestling Eve. oh my god, I don't want to say that to them. <laughs> You're totally. I'm gonna, gonna say put, it I'm gonna call it Pro Wrestling Eve. Now it's in your head. Oh no! And it's living in there, which means every single person that approaches you tomorrow at the show, you're gonna say to them, "Are you enjoying Pro Wrestling Eve?" Yeah, and that, and and because of, I assume because of my status in the wrestling world. A lot of people will come and pay tribute to me. Mm-hmm. I'm talking the wrestlers themselves, oh, yeah? uh, the owners of the promotion, oh, God, yeah, of course. yeah, and yeah, the yeah. fans. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, it's just it's an awkward position to be put in as someone who's so revered yeah. to then put your mouth, your foot, and your mouth in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Just write it on your hands, but don't get too sweaty like Homer Simpson was like, get "Murphy, nervous. you are an elf." Yes. All everything else rubs off apart from pro, pro wrestling. <laughs> <Eve>. <laughs> But yes, Eve, Riot Rolls of Wrestling. I hope that's okay too. Because what, you get, what when you say it to them tomorrow? Because it's a it's an all women promotion. Mm-hmm. Is it the best idea for no. me to be making purring just, noises just call at it, them? Just call it Eve. Is that akin to just pinching a bottom? Rolls. <laughs> but no, but that's how it's written. You may G R R R L S. You may as well ask like one of the uh, crew members. Well, got a camera backstage, have you for uh, yeah. in the old women's locker room? I bet. I bet you. Uh, you bet you all you lads love it round here. Yeah. yeah. God. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't be that guy. I'm not gonna be that. That just makes. I can't even make jokes about that. It just makes me cringe too much. <laughs> But you're going to be at Eve. You're going to be yes. at Wrestle Queendom. I'm going to be at Wrestle Queendom manning the merch stand. <laughs> 
for all those people who think we don't work hard enough as it is. Yep. There was a shortfall of, of personnel. I'm at the show anyway because I wanted to go and they need someone to sell merch. So I'll be whoring myself out. Yeah. On the, uh, wearing some uh, Eve merch. God, I nearly did it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be taking orders. So yep. yeah, if you're there, stop on by. I wonder it's, how many Eve fans we've got in the SWAF nation. It's uh, you, Laurie, and Pete. Yeah, I doubt how much Laurie and Pete are going to... I fully expect Laurie to turn up drunk. Mm-hmm. He's going out with his brother earlier in the day. Ooh, yeah. yeah. They are, like, the, the, the poker brother. Yeah, the, and Laurie, his stories of meeting up with his brother in the day usually end with, oh, yeah, we got really drunk and went to karaoke at 3 p.m. Yeah, <laughs> so, then, and then got more drunk and then went at 3 a.m. Yeah. And and this this is a six pm show, so you know who knows what's going to happen. Who knows? I sadly won't be there because mm. I'm at Stranger Things tomorrow. You excited? I'm very excited. I've got my character sorted. I'm a new romantic, uh, which means I'm makeuping it up. Ooh, so what? It's just you're just going for makeup on the face uh, and all the stuff. You've got a costume as well. Got a costume as well. Me and my wife are tomorrow are going around to charity shops. Um, to see if we can pick up any last minute bits and bobs for our characters but I've kind of got my costume already there um, I've got like a nice sort of pillowy blousy top for me to wear um, my wife's decided on the makeup that she's doing and she's doing for me um, and, and yeah I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it sorry I was uh, so, sorry if I looked distracted while you were doing that because I remembered something that you need to do oh yeah in relation to the Stranger Things stuff because I, I went last month I'm cooler than Luke yeah. done it already just like people ask like, what the hell are you mean oh, yeah, Stranger yeah, Things yeah. so a secret cinema here in London where they put on an immersive experience so we're going to an immersive Stranger Things experience um, and I'm really really I love Stranger Things so I'm I'm super psyched for it this was my Christmas present and mm. birthday present so one of the things I, because there was some email miscommunication between you your lady partner and all the instructions that you need to know yeah so my wife bought the tickets but she doesn't check her emails very mm. often so oh, like all... you told me about this stress inducing nightmare of an app so I just imagine that all of the emails that have been sent to us about the things that we need to do have just been sent to our spam folder and we've just completely missed everything mm-hmm. like I suddenly realized like Kate my wife messaged me going like we had, have you had the email for the characters? Like, no, you bought the tickets. It's in your email. And she was like, no, no, I put it in your email. I was like, no, 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 you forwarded me the tickets yeah. from your email. Nice that there's a paper trail, like a paper trail that you can shove in her face. Say, no, you are wrong. <laughs> uh, so one of the things, I think there's quite a few things that are good practice to take to the event. Mm-hmm. I de- it's along the lines of write a poem and you can trade you can trade a poem in mm. for a, a little extra storyline if you find it. But I th- I'm talking about that was a Moulin Rouge thing it's something else you have to bring is it like a badge I can't remember you've got loads of badges I've got loads of badges but one of the things that's very easy to bring along is your knowledge of lyrics to a certain song this is not a spoiler because it is in the emails that said you should you should yeah. learn the lyrics to this can you guess what it is is it um, Tainted Love by Soft Cell nuh is it Never Ending Story Never Ending Story The only reason I guessed a story. <laughs> a story. And so on. The only reason I guessed um, Tainted Love is because on my character profile, it told me that's my favourite song. Mm. Not the Marilyn Manson version, obviously, the Soft Cell original <laughs> <That would be> <laughs> version. <laughs> 
You can come dressed as <laughs> the Marilyn Manson music video. Yeah, all the characters inexplicably from all the characters from not another teen movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, how could, do you know the lyrics to Never Ending Story? I, Never Ending Story was never a big thing mm. in my childhood. Really? So I need to like I, I need to bone up on my my uh, Never Ending Story knowledge. My Never Ending Story <laughs> knowledge really stems from The Simpsons when Lionel Hutz says, "Mr. Simpson, this is the biggest case of fraudulent titles since the Never Ending Story." <laughs> Uh, I, I, I thought I always thought this when I saw it as a kid. The ending is a bit. We- I always felt the ending was a bit weird. Spoilers, folks, because the the kid uses all this moral lessons and this giant awesome dragon thing. Dragon that he's dog. Befriended. Uh, he takes all that to get his own back on the the bullies. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, oh no, you learnt nothing. Yeah. You're just using <laughs> You learnt nothing. Good day, sir. This power has gone to your head and you're now bullying the bullies. You know, that's yeah. not that and I think Family Guy made a joke about that as well eventually. Uh but yeah, you should that there's a lovely Yeah, you should know it's in Stranger Things season three. Yeah. Uh that that's there's a sing along bit. So you do do you do you want to do a sing along at the end of the podcast, a cappella? That would be fun. Because we were we were going to do a song for every Friday show, weren't we? Yeah. But we forgot <laughs> the first week of the new year we were going to do it. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see how we get on with our emails. Because this one first comes in from. Oh, uh, we should probably get into the show. Well, I'm just going to quickly oh, do this quick email. One. This comes in from our Luchifer, Luke Chador. Oh, yeah. Uh, who says, um, uh, I want to address the Randy Orton in my veins kerfuffle. So do you know the Randy Orton in my veins kerfuffle? It's it, it's in his veins appears in text on his Titan Tron. Yes. And someone emailed in to be like, oh, no, it's a reference to merchandise that he had in 2005. And we're like, no, 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 that's just that's that's a mistake. Yeah. Like, that's just they forgot to get things changed or 2015 or wherever it was. It's like, no, 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 the Titan Tron. It still never made sense. Um, but uh, Luke Chador says, I believe that instead of the venom in Orton's veins, because he's a viper, mm-hmm. it's, um, uh, it, I believe it to be a reference to Randy's dad, Cowboy Bob Orton. In my veins would refer to how wrestling is metaphorically uh. in his blood. And of course, blood is in the veins. So I think that is a much better... That's cool. Is venom carried in the veins? But no, but a lot of people think because he's the Viper, he has got venom inside him and it's in his veins. Um, but I think it's more like, yeah, it's in my blood. Yeah. Like, you know, he's a, what, a third generation superstar. It's in his blood. His, his faction was called Legacy. Yeah. Based on that, that fact alone. It's still a terrible slogan, <laughs> though. It's, you know. Uh, so, yeah, now we can get into the main show, I suppose. We're going to be talking about, and it's speculation, <laughs> folks, so don't get too angry. We're just asking the question. Is CM Punk unhappy with WWE? Here's the show. CM Punk to WWE confirmed another half. No, he seems like he's a little bit pissed off or WWE's pissed off. Yeah, I think we're just going to put this out on Front Street now. There isn't a report that CM Punk is unhappy with WWE. This is pure speculation on our part. So before you get into the clickbait uh, discussions in the comments, we're just asking the question because it's been quite a crazy week for punk and wwe there was the rumor that he was going to be part of the royal rumble well, there's been some speculation that he could be part of the royal rumble in fact actually wrestle votes the very reliable wrestle votes um they tweeted out saying please stop asking us if punk is going to be in the rumble we don't know and i'll be honest if he is no one's going to know 
it's going to be the best guarded secret. WWE are a very leaky ship, but they can either hide things when no one actually really cares about it, like the big show return, or when it is the biggest surprise that they want to do. Yeah. Like Brock Lesnar's many returns or finishes change where he actually wins at WrestleMania as opposed to losing. Yes. That sort of stuff. So, yeah, WWE, I know it's, it's hard to believe given the content on this channel, but they can keep big secrets when they really shut down control yeah, of stuff. Absolutely. And it's, with CM Punk, it's been a, a very interesting journey for him throughout 2019. You know, there was all of the potential rumors that he might sign with AEW. And that's not just rumors that's been speculated by Meltzer or Wade Keller or Mike Johnson or Ryan Satin. No, this is Cody and the Bucks doing interviews being like, yeah, we talked to him. Yeah, we've, we've talked to him about him coming into, into AEW. They never talk to me. Brackets via text message. That, that is not an offer. When you tell me the time, place and date, the person I'm going to be feuding with for the and next two much? years, how much money it is and how much holiday I'll get. I don't see that as an offer. That's just some loose conversations. That's just a few bullet points knocking around. Because that's what CM Punk would say. It was like, it wasn't really an offer. They just text me. And then Cody would be like, no, no, no. We literally met you in person. Mm. And like, you met with Tony Khan to have a chat about this. Anyway, we've gone through this whole thing loads of times. Loads of times. And, and, and Triple H has said in pretty much every interview he's done, because people always ask him this question, is CM Punk coming back to WWE? He'll say a version of never say never. That's what Vince always says. Vince has softened. Yeah, exactly. And he, said, he even said that this week. He yeah. said it two days ago in an interview about not just CM Punk, but CM Punk and AJ Lee. Yeah. And the reason why I wanted to give this context is to... Because he then went back to WWE via Fox for WWE backstage as a special contributor. And the original gimmick of that show was supposed to be this is an honest look at WWE we're going to talk about the storylines we're going to talk about fan reactions we're going to talk about the controversies and that's not what it's been it has been a PR fluff piece show where they essentially sit down and be like god WWE is brilliant isn't it look at all the great stuff that we're doing well that they I, to go in defense of the show they haven't exactly done that because when Punk has appeared on the show he has called out certain angles for just being rubbish he seems to be the only person who's going to take that level of honesty. Page and Booker T and everyone around him are just like, oh, well, yeah, it's, it's good. But <laughs> what, what's more awkward is the avoidance of actual real big news stories. That's what the I was Saudi Arabia there. stuff was never covered. The Jordan Miles stuff was never covered. Yeah. And like Ryan Satin doing an interview where he said, like, look, we will cover big stories when they happen. And I'm like... Dude, like, there's been big stories, and you've just flat out ignored them on the show. They never even really covered those four releases. No, they didn't. Which no. is, like, WWE's thing. Anyway, this... So, so the point I was going to make was that perhaps Punk is really... I'm only speculating here. Based on the last few tweets that he has made and sort of Instagram posts of being like, huh, maybe this wasn't the right decision. At WWE Backstage Ratings, hasn't, like, it hasn't really improved anything. His first appearance got, what, 180,000? Yeah. Which was way up from the sub-100,000 viewership figures they were getting. But, you know, this week's backstage just, just got over 100,000. It hasn't been a wild success, this show. No. Even with Punk's return. And he only appears sporadically. So, yeah, this, this ties into what he's... There's two, two things he's done this week. Yeah. So one of these, I believe, was last week. I think it might have been over the Christmas period. Over the period. weekend. Yeah. yeah, but he... Um, he Tweeted out, I think he put on Instagram, in fact, um, the original WrestleMania 30 match card that 
has been written about by pretty much every single person under the planet, with the exception of WWE. Under the planet? Yeah, under the planet. Wow. <laughs> the mole people. Exactly, the mole people, the lizard people running the <laughs> government. They're the ones who have been writing about it, under the sun, of course. Um, who uh, saying that, yeah, it was always going to be Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus, CM Punk versus Triple H, and the main event of Batista versus Randy Orton for the title. Whereas WWE's version of history was like, no, no, no. It was always supposed to be Daniel Bryan winning the title of WrestleMania 30. That's what we started at SummerSlam. And that's why we kept burying him week after week after week to make this big underdog story mean something at WrestleMania. It's a really actually significant lie that they told here. <laughs> because this, by, by saying that WrestleMania 30 was the culmination of this years-long plan to get Daniel Bryan over, implies and probably convinces WWE... That was the right thing to do. The, and I think they've conv- like, they don't think they're lying anymore about that. It's the Bret Hart thing all over again. They've now used that method of beating someone over and over and over again to get over other baby faces. We've seen it with Sami Zayn. Cedric. Cedric Alexander. And it hasn't worked. But they think it worked with Daniel Bryan. But in fact, it worked in spite of that. And it was never even their plan in the first place. It was always as CM Punk's revealed. Yeah, so CM Punk uh, put on Instagram, which and it has Batista versus Randy Orton for the World Heavyweight Title, CM Punk versus Triple H, Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar, John Cena versus Bray Wyatt, Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus, Big Show versus Kane, which obviously was a different match in, mm. in the end. That was with Kane and Road Dogg and uh, the New, New Age, Age Outlaws, Outlaws versus The Shield, and Roman Reigns versus Dean Ambrose for the US title. That was the original WrestleMania 30 mm. lineup. Well, that's that's interesting because remember WrestleMania 30 was pre-Shield split mm-hmm. uh, by just a, by, by a, a few months, a few months, yeah, yeah, because it was the Evolution feud that Batista and Orton would go into with yeah. the Shield afterwards, which we've covered on our Patreon yeah. podcast. So that means that Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose would have had to have either had a friendly rivalry over that United States title. Mm. Which could have sowed the seeds for the Shield breakup plans, or maybe they were going to break up the Shield pre WrestleMania. There's no appearance of Seth Rollins on this card at all. But yeah, that match became a squash match on the Shield's behalf. It was a great squash yeah. match as well. I mean, not for Billy Gunn, like. <laughs> and the Shield just squashing Kane and the New Age Outlaws. Yeah. So I thought that was very interesting that. Apropos of nothing, CM Punk that CM Punk put that out on Instagram to basically say like, don't believe WWE's lies, mm-hmm. like Memento. Don't believe their lies. And then this week, uh, after WWE backstage, the Miz uh, posted a video. Well, WWE on Fox posted a video, and it's the Miz after the show's finished, being like, that was the best show we've done so far. Talking to Renee Young and Paige here, and he says like, I think it was the best show. And Renee's like, I don't know. I thought the one with Ember Moon was pretty good. And Miz just goes, Oh, sorry, I didn't change the culture. My bad. My bad. Obviously a joke. One hundred percent a joke. A bit of a like friendly yeah. jab to CM Punk, who when he returned to WWE said. When they think they've got the answers, I change the culture. Yeah. He's like, Miz, Miz is a heel right now, remember? He turned heel last Friday with John Morrison on SmackDown. This is him. He knows that this wasn't the, the best episode ever because CM Punk, he's making a joke about that. It's heel heat. It's like yeah. when he calls himself, I'm a Hollywood megastar. We all know you're, he isn't. Yeah. He knows he isn't. He's saying it to make us annoyed. It was so clearly a joke. CM Punk, on the other hand, did not think this was a joke. I was baffled by this reaction. CM Punk seems to be quite a measured man on social media. Uh, Apparently not, because this is... I mean, there's an overreaction. 
And then there's this level of overreaction. Yeah. This was incredible. He tweeted, he re- quote retweeted the video by saying, go suck a blood money covered dick in Saudi Arabia, you forking dork. Like using the actual words. I mean, I'm- We good placed it. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've good placed that. So like that is CM Punk <laughs> saying calling him an F, a forking dog, bringing up Saudi Arabia blood money. I mean, there are so many levels. Like, okay, the blood money thing—that's big. That's big. A, a blood money covered dick. <laughs> <laughs> that's, calling, that's, that's graphic. Yeah, and uh, you know, calling him you're just a corporate shill. You like, forking dog. He's mentioned Saudi Arabia. To my knowledge. On my recollection, Punk hasn't actually brought up the Saudi Arabia thing yet. I mean, he's the first person who works for WWE backstage to do so. Yeah, so it's just like, this is so many red flags. There's an argument that there's a bit of homophobia there as well. Well, uh, yes, that's another comment. I I don't think there is. I think go suck a dick is is a general way to go F off. Yeah. But you can't, like, you know, one section of the internet could easily interpret that. 100%. Um, And actually, Meltzer's written in The Observer about this. Later, Punk realized that it wasn't to be viewed well and deleted it. Uh, And Fox deleted their version of the, the, they deleted the video as well. Um, the fox were in the right <laughs> no I know <laughs> Melter continues luckily for him he's not a guy on the Jim Cornette list when it comes to enemies when people were critical oh, sorry while people were critical it didn't result in a reaction by Fox or WWE over the idea that someone on their show made a homophobic remark and then forced them to make an apology really it wasn't that big of a reaction but there was a reaction yeah so that implies people backstage on WWE backstage mm. and in backstage in WWE, that's confusing. Actually, saw that tweet, understandably, I think, oh, and yeah. were like, that's bang out of line. Yeah, can you please delete this tweet now? Yeah, I mean, let's, I, let's, let's all delete this and never cover it ever again. This this would be a fantastic tweet if Punk didn't wasn't a featured contributor on that show. Absolutely. So it it really like and and what. What uh, Meltzer's alluding to there, or sort of speculating on, is when Jim Cornette made that racist comment that on commentary that worked its way into the final edit of an NWA power. Yeah, that's not live. Like, you know, <laughs> we still don't know how that how people signed off on that. But, but Cornette has so many people who are just waiting for him to trip up. It was almost that wave they didn't of have to wait long, really. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that got Jim Cornette removed. Whereas Punk doesn't have that that section of people yeah. wanting to do the same to him. But, you know, that that comment could have easily made that happen if you if the Twitter tide turned against him. And the, the reason when we come back to this title, and this is a title that I came up with, so if you want to be annoyed with someone, you can be annoyed at me. It's, that is not the tweet of someone who is happy in their position. Like, that is not someone who is just like, I have made the right choice here and I'm very happy with my career decision that I have made. Yeah, it's like, first off, that's the wording is not a smart thing to to tweet out at any time, really, if you're no. sort of affiliated with the company. And just even though you're signed with Fox, you are still affiliated with. Yeah. Like doing doing the tweet in the first place. So in, it like implies to me, at least, that that's not someone who's in complete control. That that was a fury tweet because really that video wasn't enough to prompt this kind of reaction. So it's kind of touched a nerve of something a lot deeper and he knows he's in the wrong when does punk delete comments that he's made yeah he's he says he's the voice of the voiceless he's just censored himself i i think someone texts him say can you please remove that yeah i mean it's it's interesting because on the flip side of this 
you've got all these we've mentioned that the rumors and speculation that punk will one day actually make an in-ring return he's currently the third favorite person to win the rumble i think he's actually the second favorite now right okay so that's and that's betting odds so take it with a big pinch of salt but the signs are there brock lesnar's number one in the rumble Mm -hmm. paul Heyman is lesnar's manager punk is a paul Heyman guy yeah I, i think all the all the things are there to bring punk in but yeah, not if he if he keeps talking like this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let us know what you think. If uh, what what's going on with Punk and WWE in the comments down below, uh, and I expect a lot of AEW CM Punk to AEW <laughs> yeah. confirmed, and we'll be replying to those as many comments as we possibly can when this video goes live. Uh, over speaking of AEW. Mm. What we got over there? Some ratings news. Of course there is ratings news. Um, So it's Thursday. Well, you know, it's the day after Thursday. Some people call that Friday. Can we have like a ratings news thing? Because on when we cover this on the WrestleTalk News, you can see a slight drop. We never get like noticeable drops. It's just like a line when people tune in. Of brag. How many people stay with the video. But when we start talking about ratings, it will dip. And then when we stop talking about ratings... They'll come back again. <laughs> so it's not like they go, this is boring. I'm I'm not watching the rest of the video. They'll just skip. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good that they're sticking around. But I find the ratings really interesting. Why do fans care about ratings, Ollie? Yeah. Because there are, and it is a thing, there are certain fans that <clears throat> are really interested in TV ratings because that usually dictates where a company is going to go. They see what is working and push that thing. Mm. And there are the other subset of fans. They're just like, well, it doesn't affect me in any way. I just want to enjoy the show. Um, usually I find that when it comes down to brand loyalty. So like when AEW is on top in the ratings, AEW fans will be like, rating is the most important thing yeah. in the world. But then when NXT is winning, they're like, ah, ratings don't matter yeah, anyway. Yeah. It's, a, it's a marathon. <laughs> yeah. And to, to illustrate how important ratings are, if you go back and watch the very, very good, if slightly North Korea PR'd series of the Monday Night Wars on the WWE Network, the story is told in a battle of the ratings every week, yeah. every couple of minutes, it has this slider scale of where WCW is against WWE Raw on the on on the rating scale. Yeah, so these companies do care about the ratings, and yeah, like I said, like if something is drawing well in a quarter hour, TV, you know, the the. the Companies are likely going, okay, that worked. The fans are really into that. The TV audience is really into that. Let's do more of this on TV. Oh, okay, that really lost a load of ratings. Let's do less of that, mm. and we'll do more of the this stuff. It really does dictate how a show then is is plotted out. So I think there's two things here. That the argument that Pete, like Pete, when people say, oh, but ratings don't matter, mm-hmm. that's quite obviously wrong. They they very much do matter. So that's that's a futile argument. However, if someone was to say, oh, but I don't care about ratings. Yeah, I, I totally understand that because at the end of the day, it's a lot of long numbers. 3.23 million. Yeah. You know, I, I often drop the final number. I just do two numbers. 2. <laughs> 2.2. 2.2 million. Do you want a fascinating thing about the ratings for AEW, though? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what gained viewers? Oh, what was on this week? Uh, the Jarek. Oh, Orange Cassidy. Nightmare Collective. No. Yep. The third quarter saw AEW gain 17,000 viewers for a Reho versus Chris Statlander and all the post-match stuff with the Nightmare Collective. NXT lost 48,000 viewers for the Forgotten Sons versus Imperium. Maybe that's because the Forgotten Sons Imperium thing wasn't a draw. And Rio Statlander was... That was a dusty classic, though. Mm. But Rio Statlander was at least built up. That's true. So yeah. people were tuning in for that. 
and now they won't tune in for it next week. And that is in, because the next quarter, the fourth quarter, saw AEW lose 48,000 viewers for Daniels versus Guevara uh, and all the post-match stuff with Dark Order, while NXT also lost views for Austin Theory versus Joaquin Wilde. So everyone turned up. Anyway, but anyways, overall. overall, AEW got 947,000 viewers. Last week was 967,000 viewers. So they actually grew from last week, which last week was an excellent show. Oh, no, well. they, they dropped last. They dropped from last week. Oh, sorry, I read the number wrong. Sorry, yeah, nine hundred twenty thousand views. By about twenty thousand views. Sorry, that's my bad. So actually, last week's excellent show lost viewers. <laughs> but <laughs> so it's pretty much the same. But it's it's pretty- a great start to twenty twenty. When they were closing out twenty nineteen, they were down into the seven eight hundreds. That's 800s. it. Because AEW has gone from being over a million down, 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 particularly uh, during the Survivor Series thing, and is growing their audience back up again. So this is actually you know really positive mm. signs for AEW. NXT, on the other hand, got their second lowest viewership with mm. 721,000, which is I, when the ratings first came out, Brian Alvarez tweeted out like, AEW got this. We don't have the numbers for NXT yet because it didn't break the top 50, which is you know, not a great sign. And it really shows that when NXT was on its ascent was all from main roster Survivor Series stuff. And that audience that they got there has not kept watching week on week. And they've actually just lost all of that audience that they got from Survivor Series. Definitely the Survivor Series effect. It was, you know, the the numbers completely changed from that go-home episode. And that's when NXT started picking up wins. I also think there's an argument that NXT have hotshot. So they they put on... Um, After Survivor Series, six weeks of takeovers. Yeah, pretty much. And that, you know, there's only... That's great for short-term gains, but you will set an expectation that you can't maintain... And then you will exhaust all these dream matches you can do. But I think AEW are doing almost the same thing. I think they are getting to a point now where it's like, we're doing all of these first-time dream Mm. matches. That's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Like Simon, Housemate Simon said in the office yesterday when he was sitting down to watch NXT, he was like, you know what, I'm a bit burnt out on NXT at the moment because I've seen all of these people now have all these dream matches. And I'm, I'm almost ready to just, I, I don't know what I, I need from this show anymore. Yeah. Because it was just like, we're in a war now. Let's put out everything that we can do. Let's put out these first time matches, these dream matches. It's not a sustainable lineup. <clears throat> I'll be interested to see if AEW's upward trajectory can be linked with the pushing of the elite as an actual mm. top babyface yeah. force. Like we always said from the beginning. Uh, more interestingly is those all important demographics. Yeah. Uh, the... Ratings are rated like calories are calories. Some calories are better than other calories. You know, calories from a lovely organic grass-fed steak are going to be better than the ones from a McDonald's burger, right? It's the same with ratings. So the 18 to 49-year-old demographic, so those that viewership, uh, AEW almost doubled NXT's slice in that bit because NXT's viewership skews a lot older and that's you know that's going back to week one of the Wednesday Night War Mm -hmm. where AEW was doubling NXT in this demographic now before people say like that what's so important about that demographic that's the advertisers demographic that's the one that they care about so that's obviously the one that TV networks are going to care about because the advertisers pay the way yeah advertisers pay all this money because you're you you are saying to them hey look we're getting this many people in this demographic so advertisers be like cool here's 500 million so you can advertise my product because we're also targeting that same demographic but what's most most important just sorry the last thing and dvr when people always bring up like Mm. oh but dvr numbers dvr numbers people are recording things advertisers don't like dvrs because you fast forward through that (laughs) so what they're looking for is they're looking for that live demographic that's the one that matters to them not the dvr demographic so what's the most, most important, however, 
for us as wrestling fans and the wrestling business as a whole, and more specifically, the style of wrestling that we all love, which is that that style put on by NXT and AEW. Absolutely. A more mature, mm. in-ring wrestling-focused style with logical storylines no and cool characters. Uh, but, yep, the, the Nightmare Collective. <laughs> 1.67 million people in total were watching that style of wrestling on Wednesday night. That's a great, That's good. great figure. Yeah. Love to hear that. Uh, Tony Khan tweeted, Thanks to all who made last night's AEW one-year anniversary episode of Dynamite a rating success. For all of us uh, to keep succeeding, AEW will listen to our fans. I hear your feedback and won't ignore what you want to see from AEW every week. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Well, listen up, Tony. I know you're watching. Less Nightmare Collective. It's terrible. Yeah, and if you could up our money oh, yeah, for, sorry. for what we're talking, you know, oh, the, the, right. the, the thing. Sorry, in which case, we'll... we'll Edit point. The Nightmare Collective is great, yep. and everyone should really back off on hating them. Can't wait for that car. It's how they pay their talent now, isn't it? Just cars. Everyone gets a car. You get a car. You get a car. So now we're going to do a new style segment. If anyone's got any sort of newsy in in review week segments they want to see from us, you know, like what was the best match of the week, or, or who who do you think had the best tweet and stuff let us know in the comments because we're just trying out a few new bits here's here's one bit that we're going to try out which is stories we haven't necessarily got to speak about because most of our live shows or these styles of shows are reviewing raw smackdown and xd we me and luke don't actually get to talk to you guys about the news that much mm, and in great detail yeah and there's some stories that don't really get covered in the wrestle talk news because they're there's, there's not enough time for them. But that doesn't mean they're not really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try and pick a story each from this week that doesn't necessarily, like, isn't a, a headline, but is actually quite cool. And the one that I've picked mm. out is the Gato's original plans pre AEW. So the AEW New Japan split has been. You know, well documented. It was a, a year of turmoil between the two of them. We thought something might have been uh, patched up around Wrestle Kingdom 14 with the Jericho Tanahashi match and Moxley wrestling there. But it appears, though, the Forbidden Portal is still closed. Um, is it a portal or a door? Well, I think Tanahashi's original um, thingy, uh, his original comment was Forbidden Portal, and then Jericho changed it to Forbidden Door. It could have been a bad Google Translate. It could have been a bad Google Translate. Or a bad Chris Charlton. That's that's <laughs> how most Japanese promos come into the English-speaking world, Either via Chris Charlton. The Forbidden What's-It yeah. was, is still closed, but there are talks about how, you know, the building bridges, the, it's not as frosty as it once was. Wrestle Kingdom were mentioning AEW a lot during Wrestle Kingdom 14, during the Jericho Tanahashi match, which previously had been a no-no word. Those mm. three letters were banned backstage from being talked about. So things appear to be okay. But I've, it was interesting that the Gato's original plans for Kenny Omega before he went over to AEW to start AEW, I thought were really interesting. Because Gato books a long time in advance. Yeah. He had these plans in place at the end of 2018 for the start of 2020. So originally, Omega was to retain the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Tanahashi at the Tokyo Dome and then lead to a match with Akada, their first meeting in the US for the Madison Square, Madison Square Garden show. That was obviously what the plan always was. That huge Madison Square Garden joint show with Ring of Honor. That's that, And that's what everyone bought the tickets for. Completely, that's yeah. why that, that show sold out 10,000 tickets at Madison Square Garden. The first non-WWE show there Ever. Sorry, Ollie, you're mistaken. They all bought tickets for Mega Ran. Oh, yes, of course. Home run. Um, 
While we're under the impression Omega was to lose that match, he was not. The Tokyo Dome Final Four booking plan, with both the IWGP and IC belts at stake, was to be Omega versus Ibushi and Akada versus Naito, meaning one of those two would have been IC champion on the first night. So this is Wrestle Kingdom 14. It would have been Omega and Ibushi for the heavyweight title, and Akada versus Naito for the IC title. So it, what we actually got was Akada versus Ibushi for the heavyweight title, Naito versus Jay White. For the Intercontinental. Correct. The idea would be that, uh, that Naito would have beaten both Akada and then Omega, since that was the plan for Naito to be the first person with two belts at the same time. So the original, the, the finale of this with Naito two belts remained in place, mm. but it was supposed to be against Omega. Like Omega was you know, going to have this big long run with the title. Um, a, a year, well, I mean, yeah. more than a year long run with it. Um, from, through from Wrestle Kingdom to the following Wrestle Kingdom. Main eventing, Madison Square Garden yeah. for New Japan, for the title. Like, it's just such a shame things went down the way they did. And, you know, there wasn't really much going on for Omega between January and September. You had four AEW pay-per-views, the first one being in May. Mm. So, like, and, and that that... New Japan show in Madison Square Garden was early April. Yeah. So it's just it's such a shame that we couldn't have at least had that match and maybe Okada could have won the belt from him then. Yeah. I, mean, I get it, but then you you have an Omega lose in his home not not home country, but home continent. North America. Yeah. Um but before we move on to your story of the week, mm. uh, I just wanted to read this from the observer that came out uh yes or what's this morning here in the UK. Um <clears> if New Japan was put if New Japan talent was pushed on AEW television, you could argue that AEW, as number two company in America, would be giving a boost to the number three in the US market. But there is a question how NJPW can draw regularly with smaller shows and no television in the US. The recent San Jose show was a great sign, outdrawing NXT and having a far greater atmosphere and a much stronger show in a major NXT market yeah I get that but New Japan are running those those figures are skewed NXT are running so many house shows you know three a week I think whereas New Japan put on four shows a year in the States which is the point I was going to bring up is that yeah you could make that argument that if they get into bed with AEW will that help you know they've they've started New Japan of America Mm -hmm. you know so they are they've got plans to start you know more stuff over there with the lad dojo as we were lad dojo (laughs) lad dojo wrestling grabs (laughs) but is that going to continue if you become a regular thing and not just a special attraction show that's only there twice a year? Yeah, totally. I mean, you see it, there's a, there's a name for it. It's called Killing the Town. Mm. If, you, if you run a town too regularly, there is a finite demand for wrestling shows, unlike, you know, football or other sports, real sports, <laughs> where, where people are happy to go two, three times a week. Well, why don't you take us through your well, uh, new okay. story of the week? Mine is about the hottest feud in wrestling which is the long book, long-term booking of WWE versus Dave Meltzer. And as, as the hallmark of a great long-term storyline, WWE are using different people to yeah. elongate this feud. Different plates spinning. <coughs> We've had Seth Rollins. He's the, big, he's the big one, I think. He's the end boss. Or Vince McMahon's the end boss. When Vince McMahon tweets Dave Meltzer, <sighs> that's, that's going to be a cool day. Uh, that we had a bit of Charlie Caruso in there. We That's did. kind of akin to a backstage segment to f- f- tune in next week, yeah. but she's not featured ever again. And now we've got WWE backstage's own Ryan Saturn. Yeah. So, a, ma- a man who his whole, the start of his journalism career in, in covering wrestling was taking shots at Dave Meltzer for being an old hack who has passed his prime. Now, we must point out, so Ryan Saturn 
is the on-screen reporter guy for WWE Backstage. It's a shill role. He actually did have a very good track record on Pro Wrestling Sheet. Still does. Um, and yeah, his, his coverage has proven to be true way more often than not. He's he got, one of the most reliable wrestling news sources out there. He got the Goldust story. Exactly. Wait, and, and when Goldust was denying it as well, he had that Goldust had asked for his release and was going to be granted it. Mm. But now he has sort of gone to WWE backstage. It, it's it, it, the, There is an element of selling out there, weirdly. Uh, but Dave Meltzer was asked by a fan, do you think they'll cover? What story was it? The, oh, the Miz... Miz CM Punk stuff. And, and someone said to him, it was like, yeah, Brian, Ryan Satin's whole deal is just like, I don't want to be like seen as a shill. I'm a real journalist. Mm. But he won't cover that stuff because it reflects poorly on A, WWE, and B, the show that he now works for. And so like he just he didn't touch the Punk Miz story. So Dave Meltzer, he's on his Twitter. He's got his phone, and he does this. He, does. <laughs> he dabs in reply. He quote replies that person and says... It doesn't bother me in the slightest that Ryan Satin and WWE Backstage won't cover that. I get the deal. I don't want or care about validation from people I cover. Those who want or care can't be real reporters anyway. Oh, Dave. So that, you know, you've got to assume that's talking about Ryan Satin. Do you remember our old Dave? Dave, 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 Dave. You've been Daved, Ryan. So Ryan comes back, quotes that reply. Very professional, Dave. What a great example you set for other reporters by attacking your peers for no reason whatsoever. And so Dave Meltzer saw that and was just like, you're not one of my peers. Yeah. So Ryan Satin started tweeting out paying respect to loads of his peers. (laughs) But he may as well... (laughs) He may as well have ended every single tweet with brackets... But not Dave Meltzer. Yeah. Uh, so Dave Dave also replied in this weird war of words. Uh, I have a rule about attacking peers. Ask Wade Keller and Bruce Mitchell. Who Dave does consider his peers. Yeah. So he doesn't, you know, say, say stuff about them. Ryan Satin says, you may not consider me one of your peers, but I can assure you I am Dave. Which is weird because then he doesn't, if he is a peer, he then doesn't. Talk about him being a peer. Yeah. And talking badly about me unprompted while bragging about being a real reporter makes you look petty. It's no different than what Brad Shepard does. Think about that. No, Ryan, it's no different to what you built your entire career upon. Like you, like him and Batty took the exact same mm. approach, which was rather than reporting <coughs> news, it was like, we're reporting news, Dave Meltzer is wrong. Yeah, so uh, let's, let's just read what that line again. Uh, Bragging about being a real reporter makes you look petty. I'll tell you what doesn't make you look petty <laughs> is then tagging loads of other people who he does consider peers without Dave Meltzer. So he then went on to uh, give shout outs to, let's ha- open this up. He's got a thread of people. Yeah. Uh, if you see Casey, who is the Squared Circle Sirens guy, uh, really good reporting source on all things women wrestling. It should be noted, actually, he has tweeted some excellent people yeah. in all of this. Sean Ross Sapp, oh. Fightful, one of the best guys out there. He is a guy who has taken Fightful to another level. I didn't know he was so tall. Oh, and and so handsome as he well. He is a handsome man. Uh, John Pollock and, oh, I don't know the name of the other guy, but post-wrestling. Post-wrestling and doing some great uh, stuff, yeah. But, the, yeah, it's just Alex from TalkSport. Who's great. Um... Ariel Hawani does MMA stuff. Emily of Pratt, I don't really know her, but apparently she does lots of indie stuff. So, so Callan Censored, not that, not the tag team. Other sites I respect: WrestleZone.com, Wrestling Inc, Pro Wrestling Net. 
Mike Killiam. Mike Killiam's a great wrestling writer. Uh, he, he's really good. A load of other names. Uh, Cultaholic got in there. And he said, um, more I'm probably leaving out by accident. Keep killing it, everyone. I'm thankful of the work you provide. And he's like, I knew I was going to leave some people out. The entire WWE on Fox crew. Yeah. <laughs> the people that pay my wages. So, you know, we weren't on there. Going in raw weren't on there. What culture wrestling? But you know that's fine. It's it's not it's not about us. It's this is just an attack on Dave Meltzer without overtly saying you suck, Dave. It was quite funny, really. So, uh, if it'll be really fun, if I mean, what what can we ask everyone to do? To, to, <laughs> I was thinking I was trying to work out a bit in the news where I do the sort of Christian my peeps, <laughs> but it'll be my peers. Where are my peers at? <laughs> But I can't. There's something there There's that something we can there. we can have fun with. Well, do you know, what? I'm going to throw this out to the comments mm. because from what we have seen, you know, from the three four years that we've been doing this now, we've got a very funny comment section, oh, and yeah. some people come up with so many things that we completely miss, like really like succinct puns that we should have seen. So let us know. Yeah. What have we missed? You've got that. Uh, so TV match of the week, we are going for Rey Mysterio versus Andrade from Raw. Yes. A WWE main roster match, which was genuinely pay-per-view caliber, had a few botches in, but it was so good. I enjoyed it so much. Yeah. Don't care. With the exception of the finish, it was my favorite TV match mm. of the week. So I thought the, t- the, the finish was a bit clunky. It was a bit McClunky. Yeah. But I thought the actual the match itself was absolutely fantastic. Really, really good. There's a lot of, you know, I thought the the Omega um, and Hangman Page versus Private yeah. Party match was really good. The Fatal 4-Way main event of NXT was fantastic because Keith Lee's just boss level great. But I think it's Andrade and Ray mm. as my TV match of the week. TV match of the week. Maybe we'll get some jingles and everything. Yeah. But yeah, if you want to see any other segmenty bits, we're just, I feel like this is the show where we just keep... No, you do the work. You, you, you do the work for us. Come up with ideas for yeah. us. Uh, before we get into the Patreon mailbag, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. They're not called pro wrestling. Stop saying that. Eve. Riot right girl. girls. Someone told you off for that in the comments yesterday. What? Said like, you badmouth Randy Andy Datsun for rolling his R's. That's not but a when- r- That's what I said. I was like, he didn't roll his R's. He purred. Purr's different. <laughs> when, when Roy Orbison sings... Pretty woman mm-hmm. walking down the street. You know, dun 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 dun. Mercy. One of the bits he does in that bit is. It's not a rolling of the R. I can't roll my R's. Can you? Well, rolling of the R's. I can't do that. Can you not? No, it's a different part of the mouth. That comes from the. This is all coming from here. See, and I can't do that. It's very very impressive. Can you roll your tongue? Mm-hmm. Uh, good, yeah, or, so, good audio content. On that, uh, <laughs> Eve. Eve is tomorrow. It's sold out. You can't come and meet us. Maybe you can for the next show. There, it's in London. But what you can do is watch it on Fight TV. It starts around two p.m. Uh, U.S. time or something. Just, just type Eve into Fight TV and it will tell you all the, the times and it will be in your area. It's their third annual Wrestle Queendom. Love their, their women punnage. Oh yeah, because they, later in the year they have the She Won. That's, that's inspired. Yeah, it's inspired.
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, right, let's get on some Patreon mailbag stuff. Indeed. If you want to submit a question to the ma- to the Patreon mailbag, all you've got to do Ow. is become one of our awesome pledge hammers on Patreon at any dollar amount and leave a comment in the community tab. Do not email me. I will just lose it. However, I'm just about to contradict myself because Ooh. someone did email me and I have <laughs> remembered it. So I'm going to go to it now. And the reason I have remembered it is because it's from Marcel Jura, who has sent us care packages in the past. It's a Such name a that nice when I say. Such a nice guy. But Marcel has completely ignored my instructions of leaving in the community tab and he emailed me directly uh, but he says hi Luke and the rest of the boys it's been nearly a year that the formation of AEW was announced and looking back on my expectation and what has materialized now I'm a bit disappointed don't get me wrong I really enjoy AEW and follow every episode but I must say that it feels not as big as I thought it would be I imagine that a new company with that kind of financial backing and good TV deal would simply feel bigger more important but somehow it doesn't AEW lacks in my opinion the epic storylines and somehow I I feel like I wish there was more real star power. Cody is awesome and I love him, but he's a but as a great as great a babyface as he is, he can't carry the company alone together with Mox and Jericho. So my question is, do you know what I mean and do you feel the same? Should AEW be bigger than it is right now? Love you all and I'm still happy you enjoy the Waldmeister, which clearly does not taste like apple. And it's so apple It's so apple It's the it's the most apple It tastes more apple than apples. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you, Marcel. I, it's, but well, we spoke about this on the AEW show yesterday. Actually, that 
before AEW became a thing, a tangible thing that we all knew what the actual tone was, which I would argue is the TV era, everyone could have their own expectations and wishes for it. And unless it's absolutely incredible to, to either meet those expectations or exceed it, it's going to fall short. And that's what's happened here, especially with the everyone saying, oh, it's going to be really sports-based. I was thinking New Japan. I was thinking a US version of New Japan with some epic, proper big storylines arching over it. But we haven't. We've got more PWG-style stuff, I would argue, with some lip service win-loss records, which haven't been as effectively utilized as I would have liked. And the grand overarching storylines, I not a single one has connected apart from Cody MJF, which is part of a larger thing, I would argue. I was expecting, you know, they were like doing all the road to AEW stuff, like those amazing interview packages that they yes! were doing. I was expecting more of that on TV. And I was excited. I remember, I think I even put out on Twitter saying like, all Dynamite needs to be is this and an excellent wrestling product. And I'll be like, so, but they've not done any of that, which I think is a real shame because I think those roads to AEW stuff gave or like the roadster, whatever they called it, gave such a good, here is this character, here's why you should care, here's why you should be excited. I don't think they get that across on TV. I think that for all the good stuff they've done with some of their guys like Darby Allen and Pac and <clears throat> Jungle Boy and, and a few others, they could be way more over than they currently are if they can. And, it, and what's, what's infuriating about it is it's right there. Yeah, You were already doing it. You just need to do it more. But I think they are in this... There's a worry. As soon as NXT went live, and as soon as NXT went head-to-head, video packages make people turn over. Interviews make people turn over. So you can see in those early weeks, they were just doing match, 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 because when wrestling's on, people don't change. But as soon as you start doing talking, people unless it's Jericho, people start turning over. So I think there was a worry that they were going to lose viewers by doing these sorts of video packages. But I think that TNT, by all reports wanted a minimum of half a million viewers. And they have way exceeded that. They've doubled it in some aspects. So you can, you don't have to worry so much now. Mm. I think that they could start doing more of that stuff. I was also expecting more Jimmy Havoc. So, you know, really, what a failure. What, uh, yeah, your, your question, should it be bigger and better? I think I think it's really, it's, it's number and viewership is really impressive. So in terms of bigger, no, I think they've got that really well. I'm impressed by the growth in terms of better, totally. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting. I never thought about that. What was AEW's plan for AEW before, before NXT, NXT went live? Yeah. Yeah, because it's expectations they set. They were like, here's all our building packages towards TV and pay-per-views. This is how it will look. And then we only had the the first promo with Cody for that opening with Sammy Guevara. Uh, Sammy Guevara match on the first episode. And it was fantastic. Yeah, I want, I want more of that. Yeah. Uh, Michael <laughs> says, Greetings, gentlemen. New Pledgehammer here. My question is, with the upcoming Dusty Rhodes Classic coming up and Matt Riddle teaming with Pete Dunne instead of an already established partner in Keith Lee, do you feel it's a sign that there may be bigger plans in place for Keith Lee heading into WrestleMania season? Oh, I hope so. I mean, I'm not going to... not Because I'll get in the trap of, I want this to happen... Everything will suck if it doesn't, because I want that to happen so bad. I want Keith Lee to win the Rumble, eliminate Brock, and beat him at the at, the, at WrestleMania for the title. I think that like Mike obviously left this 
um, before oh, okay. he was, you know, won the fatal four way and he's going to face the, the North uh, Roddy for the North American Championship. I think that was their plan for him. They want to push him into that North American Championship picture and then into that NXT Championship picture. And keeping him out of the Dusty Rhodes Classic is a way to do that. It also, you can do something with Riddle and Dunn where, like, as a random thrown together team, you can split them up and have them feud into a match. Because I'd love to see a, a you know, Riddle Dunn match would be great. Plus, the, the promo where Matt described how he got done as his tag partner is flawless. Yeah. So I'm glad it's, it exists. The bro, bro, bros awaits. Yeah, bros awaits. Shane Cowley says, uh, guys, you've been putting out so much great content, I decided to up my sub tier. Oh, no, no, you. no. I will not hear it. Take my money. Okay. By far the most consistently consistent content on the internet. Wrestle Talk will always be the best. That's what we're aiming for. Thank you very much for the kind words. <laughs> and our 2020 resolution is to be more consistent than ever because we, I feel we got a bit inconsistent yeah. <laughs> in panic mode last year. Bar Bar Barking Mad says, should Rousey return and face Becky at the Rumble or Mania, fantasy booking-wise, does Ronda win the belt back? So like, does Ronda return at the Rumble, win the Rumble, and then face Lynch at Mania? I suppose that would be the best overall story. I feel like there's a lot of money in that. Uh, yeah, because the, then the you rematch, the one-on-one rematch. Exactly. And it's such a nice mirror image of Becky winning the Rumble, winning at Mania, Ronda winning the Rumble, then winning at Mania. It's like anything you can do, I can do better. Plus, Ronda... Oh, no, Becky did pin Ronda. So Charlotte Flair was sort of protecting that, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would like to see... Did she pin Ronda? Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see a whole year. If, if she does win the belt, she's got to be around for another year. Flaming Clive says, with the brand split in full effect, would you like to see the original bland exclusive pay-per-views where Raw and SmackDown had their own pay-per-views where they split every other month and share the major four? For me, no, because I don't think the roster depth is enough on either brands to facilitate it. I know like some people get left off, but I actually think that's a positive because mm-hmm. no one gets oversaturated. But like you go back to those original brand split pay-per-views and it's like it's Baron Corbin versus Sami Zayn on pay-per-view when they were having those matches on SmackDown as well. And it just, it, the pay-per-views felt like just another episode of the show and they just dragged. Yeah, I, I used to joke it was Sunday Night Raw. Yeah. And it, they, they, they come too thick and fast because WWE didn't, never perfected an eight-week build to a pay-per-view. So they would become... You get a pay per view every six week, every three weeks, and it was exhausting. And it, but and and you know they, they best of both worlds. They they got out of it pretty quickly. Uh, Flaming Live also says, as a side note, move Money in the Bank back to WrestleMania. Which I agree. I oh, yeah, I like it as a, an attraction. Yeah, yeah it doesn't need to be its own thing. And it's better with just one briefcase as opposed to four. Yeah, may and then oh, no, maybe there's two, isn't there? Maybe either the women's Money in the like they they alternate. So one year the men's Money in the Bank briefcases at Mania and the women's one headlines its own pay-per-view show. Yes, yeah, like and then that. the next year you flip the genders around. Uh, Kevin uh, Fluriot says, Hey guys, my question is, what do you think will happen to The Fiend this year, pre-Mania, post-Mania? I know a lot of people speculate that Roman will take the belt at Mania and his mask according to Luke, but I'm wondering how he could bounce back if he lost the title or even if he doesn't, who will he feud with? Yeah, I th- unfortunately, I feel like that the shine really is off the fiend. Like considering how he was the most over thing in wrestling, and they they botched it, and he's never never got back to those heights. Helena Cell was it was a that real bad. disastrous moment. Yeah, uh, I think I think he should if Brock wins the Rumble, which is problematic in its own way, the fiend should beat him. 
And that's a real, that would be a good way to... And, like, squash him as well. Mm. That'd be a really good way to reassert him. I think The Fiend beating The Undertaker is something that needs to happen. I think The Fiend beating John Cena is also something that needs to happen. Yeah, I would say that if The Fiend does lose the title at Mania, which I'm kind of... That's where I'm, my mind is going at the moment. I, I'd like to see him do those sort of attraction matches against people like Taker and mm. Cena. Um, Daniel McKee says, got last minute second row seats for SmackDown Ooh. at the very last minute. Uh, I really enjoyed myself, but a few things bothered me. They don't let you stand up during the match if you're that close. Nobody looked like they wanted to be there. Commentary, <laughs> camera crew, security, everyone. And they didn't even give us Fiend versus Daniel Bryan dark match that was advertised. Uh. My question is, do you think that WWE is now strictly a television product while AEW is focused on the crowd and live experience? My friend, it's been that way for 15 years, unfortunately. I hate going to WWE TV tapings. We haven't been for years. House shows, however, so much fun. Mwah, wonderful stuff. Yeah. Love a house show. But TV yeah. product is... Going there live is a slog. Yeah, yeah it really is. Frank Botello says, Hey, guys, if you started uh, WrestleTalk Pro Wrestling, oh. who would be in charge of creative, producer, talent relation, commentary, general manager, and ring announcer? Don't expect this to happen. Just thought I'd ask a fun question. Love you guys. We'd get in professionals. <laughs> Honestly, we're getting a proper TV producer oh, yeah. who knows wrestling yep. and has worked in wrestling. I'm, I'm assuming we've got a big Tony Khan-style budget. We'd get in some great creative minds. We'd try and ask Dave Meltzer to be on some kind of board. We'd get Gado, right? <laughs> you know, talent relation, I don't know. It's, you, the commentary, commentary's an interesting one. General manager, ring announcer. Well, I mean, commentary's easy. We just bring in Dave. Yeah. Dave Bradshaw. Yeah, Dave Bradshaw. Yeah. Well deserving of a shot. And so Cal Val. Yeah, those are a dynamic That'd duo. Be That'd be a lot of fun. Of course, Alex Dave Shane. Bradshaw doing his commentary. And so Cal Val just providing lovely comments. I mean, I hate to say this because I, I don't like three man booths, but Alex Shane as a comedy heel is <laughs> so, so funny. Particularly with Bradshaw. Yeah. Those yeah. two bounce off so well. And then so Cal Val on the other side. Just I, talking about butts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Callum says, hey, what's up, Russell Talk Gang? My question is, what is your favorite TV show of all time? Both of you choose one. Ooh. And I'll come back to you in about a month's time telling you which one I prefer, <laughs> even if I've already seen it. Also, tell me what streaming service I can watch it on in the UK. Ah, that, that knackers out my pick. Mm. Because my pick, my Twilight Zone is my favorite TV show of all time. The original uh, 59 to 64 uh, era of the Twilight Zone, that's my favorite TV show of all time. But that's not available on UK streaming services. You have to buy the Blu-rays. Or not even on an Amazon Prime. Uh, you might be able like, to get it on Amazon like Prime. Like if you buy it, yeah, and then you, you might can rent you, yeah, it. Yeah, you'd have to buy it or rent it. Yeah, um, uh, but unfortunately, yeah, it's not available to stream for free. I well, pay for it. This, you know, it's like, what's your favorite movie? I could give you a hundred things, but uh, of the last year, the thing I've most enjoyed is Veep. Uh, the, the you know all, all seven seasons are great, but those first four seasons when Inanucci was producing it and writing is. It's so tightly written. It's fantastic. Veep sounds like that thing that Chris Statlander does when she bops people. Veep. It also sounds like a hair removal strip. <laughs> yeah. If I'm going to pick something a bit more current, um, I mean, it's not even that current. It's about 20 years old at this point. Freaks and Geeks um, is an absolutely fabulous show. It's only one season long. And that's on 4OD. Is it really? Yeah, it's on 4OD right now, so oh. you can watch that. I kept hold of my DVD collection. When I sold all of my mm. DVDs, I'm like, no, I'm keeping hold of my, my complete series. I was the guy at uni who introduced everyone to Freaks and Geeks. It was my DVD that did the rounds. Oh. Because that, that's where Seth Rogen started, James Franco, yep. loads of uh, Jay Roach. Loads of people came from that. It was also Judd Apatow's first proper thing. Paul Feig as well. Paul Feig, yes, of course. He directed several episodes. And it, 
people people come up to me now and say, "Oh man, have you seen Ge- uh, Freaks and Geeks?" I was like, "I lent you the DVD." <laughs> Or like maybe I didn't lend them the DVD, but it yeah. did the rounds. It's like no, that was my DVD you watched. Yeah, I always think of that show whenever I hear "Sunshine of Your Love." Yeah, that always comes into my head. Plus, it's my love of Linda Cardellini. Watch, anyway, watch that. That's a good. That's a good choice. Lance C. Not really a question. Just wanted to do an appreciation post for Randy Andy Datsun. Since joining the SmackDown review, he's quickly become my favorite host to listen to. He's now the Rest Talk MVP. I need a two-man booth of Andy and Laurie or Simon for an upcoming review. I'm sure Laurie would love that. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got. I am. I am amazed at how much Andy has stepped up. It's amazing, and I'm and, so proud. Yeah, of him. yeah. Because he, you know, he's he's not a he's not done on screen stuff at all. He did. We did. He did one with me for Women's Evolution pay per view mm-hmm. when you and Laurie were off, and it was it was just us in this room with the the boards. So there was no set or anything. And then he, almost a year later, we're like, ah, oh, we're no one's around for this Saturday on SmackDown. Can you fill in? And he was like, yeah. And he was so excited and he did it and he freaking knocked it out of the park. Didn't he text you saying like, I'll be on my best behavior? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm it's really good. Even, I mean, it's been so good that we've made him the, the, the permanent guy on SmackDown now. He's been great. Yeah. Uh, Reese says, hello, my lovely lads. Have a lovely consistent time apart from Randy. <laughs> Something- <laughs> I'm still doing that. He's <laughs> Yeah. Something I've been thinking of since listening to your coverage of Wrestle Kingdom over the weekend in relation to the potential of a working relationship between NJPW and AEW. Now, granted, as a news channel, you may have a bias, but uh, surely as fans, instead of some announcement saying the companies will be working together going forward, wouldn't it be more entertaining if they just did it? No press conference or press release, just wrestlers from New Japan showing up on Dynamite, maybe even doing an invasion storyline for a while. Maybe it's just fantasy booking on my part, but I'd be curious to hear how you'd want a working relationship to be revealed. Totally, yeah. Something, I mean, I, I I wouldn't have minded uh, end of the Jericho Tanahashi match and Mox attacking him. Yeah, you know, something like that. Uh, but totally an invasion thing. I, largely, I hate it when WWE or AEW announce stuff like that in advance. The CM Punk, you know, ugh. Uh, John Morrison. John Morrison. Like what? That would have been a much more fun reveal if he'd just shown up on SmackDown or if he was just an entrant in the Rumble. Mm. Particularly then when you reveal it on backstage that he signed and then a few weeks later when he does debut, you've got Corey Graves going like, oh, we've heard rumblings. Yeah. Like, no, you literally announced he's coming back. A um, couple of questions from Ket. Uh, he says, Drew's 1-2-3 setup for the Claymore looks dumb to me. He might as well yell at his opponents that he's doing the Claymore. Other examples of wrestlers telegraph their moves, Shawn Michaels, um, Randy Orton. How do you feel about wrestlers telegraphing moves? It's a really effective way to get the crowd That's into That's exactly it. It's a crowd thing. Especially the, the tuning up of the band, I think, is fantastic. I, I totally get the kayfabe argument against it, but it works. Uh, and he also asks, what's your favorite Chris Jericho? Is it Y2J Jericho, Suit Jericho, Bright, uh, Bright Light Jacket Jericho, Scarf and List Jericho, or Painmaker Le Champion Jericho? I've got to be honest. It's uh, Well, you know, the correct answer is the first heel Jericho against Shawn Michaels. The suit Jericho. That's just, he revolutionized what it was to be a heel in that era. You know, the slow talking, mm. quiet to the mic. But Raw was forking bad in 2015, 16, and it was that Jericho Owens dynamic that got me through. So I'll go list, list Jericho. I'm going Y2J. Yeah, loved Y2J. Um, Jobber JJ says, "Hello, Swaff Nation, Wrestle Talk crew. Small story before my question. It's not that small a story. <laughs> if you remember my super chat about this being the least interested I've been for the Royal Rumble WrestleMania as a wrestling fan, here's why. I've been watching uh, past Royal Rumbles for a couple of years, uh, and for the most part, everyone just feels like a guy and nothing else. The wrestlers who feel like real stars are the McMahon's, Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton, John Cena. No, gra- uh, no, granted, some." 
Now, granted, some wrestlers do feel bigger now compared to a few years ago, like New Day, The Usos, Bray Wyatt. WWE just sells tickets, and it's WWE, and people are just there to buy tickets because it's the Rumble. But when I look at Cody and Moxley especially, and how I feel like real stars in AEW compared to where they were in WWE, it's just astonishing, and the wrestlers who are used to like in WWE, it just saddens me. Now to my question. Why do people buy tickets when we all know it's overpriced and it's not really worth going, and how long can WWE keep uh, selling tickets uh, because WWE is in town? Sorry for the long story. I hope you enjoy your day. Uh, yeah, uh, there will always be a contingent of people who will go to a WWE show because it says WWE on the thing. But that is a that has a ceiling, as we've seen, because house show attendance and live event attendance to WWE is increasingly down year on year for, for ages. And AEW have come in and shown that if you build it around names and stars and personalities, that's much easier for a large amount of people to latch onto. Because what's more enticing? Do you, do you come here to listen to me and Luke? Or do you come here to listen to WrestleTalk? Yes, it's, that's the argument there. Uh, Chris Thorne, if you could sign anyone to WrestleTalk, who would it be and why, uh, who would it be and why would it be Simon Miller? Seriously, why. <laughs> seriously though, Glow Season 2 showed the girls swapping gimmicks for the night in an interesting episode showing how different the characters play them. If WWE did this, whose gimmick would you like to see changed? Andrade should come out as Eddie Guerrero's lie, cheat and steal gimmick, Shorty G as the world's biggest athlete, The Big Show, and R-Truth as R-Truth. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> That's fantastic, Chris. I I would love to see that. Uh, not on main continuity, but on a sort of network special. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the sort of stuff that the network should be doing. Yeah, like Becky coming out as Charlotte, oh, yeah. Charlotte coming out as Becky. Or the Southpaw Regional Wrestling pay-per-view when that was a yeah. hot thing. Actually, I'd like to see Charlotte come out as Bailey. Like, yeah. uh, like proper like baby face Bailey. Oh, be, that would be that's such a good idea. Yeah, I think that'd be a lot uh, of fun. Who would you yeah, who would you have? I reckon Kevin Owens could have some oh, fun. Oh, he'd be so good. It's Kevin Owens coming out as Sami Zayn. Why? I was going to say Sami Zayn should come out as El Generico. <laughs> but, well, I mean, it has to be someone else's gimmick, so yeah, that does work. Roman Reigns, who would you have him come out? Baron Corbin. You really oh. want some like really opposite thing? Maybe everyone just does opposites day and whoever they're in the feud with. <laughs> it's bizarro. World. Brock Lesnar comes out as AJ Styles. Can yeah. you imagine that? He wouldn't be up for it. No. <laughs> oh, that's such a fun idea, though. I love that. Uh, Lee Spice says, Hi guys, I've been recently thinking uh, of the moment that made me fall in love with pro wrestling, that being the Hell in a Cell match between Cactus Jack and Triple H at No Way Out 2000 when Foley was thrown uh, over Mr. NXT's shoulders and crashed <laughs> through the cell in the ring. What's the moment that made you fall in love with pro wrestling forever? And mine's actually quite connected to that. It's the reveal of Cactus Jack. It's the mankind coming out being like, mankind cannot face you at the Royal Rumble. But I think I know the guy takes it off. His name is Cactus Jack. Mm. Triple H is selling of it. It's amazing. Jim, Cactus Jack is back. That's the moment that really made me fall in love. Shows our combined age because we're all going to say stuff from the same couple of months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mine's Shane McMahon hitting the elbow drop off the Titantron mm. onto uh, Steve Black. No, it was Steve Blackman. No, it was, it was Shane McMahon falling off the scaffolding yeah. when, she, when, when Steve Blackman hit him at SummerSlam 2000. Mohammed, how's everyone doing today? Smiley emoji. Uh, just a quick note, the Royal Rumble is in Keith Lee's home state. Can you see it happening? Yes. Him winning. Yes, 100 times yes. Let's all set our expectations to that now. It's in his home state. That means he's getting thrown out very quickly. Mm. Uh, Callum, can you see AEW going to three hours so they can get more people on TV each week? No. No. No, they're too smart for that. Yeah. Uh, Abner Hav, uh, I have to confess something. I love Black, ver yeah. Black versus Murphy matches. I think these two can be the next Orton versus Cena or Rock versus Austin. That is a bold claim. Yeah, not <laughs> Orton versus Cena. I hope not. <laughs> what have have two years worth of boring matches? 
Oh man, I was actually getting because like our Patreon, our Patreon WrestleTalk Live, WrestleTalk Extra show is going to be Royal Rumble 2001. But Royal Rumble 2014 was in there, which had that Cena autumn match, which the crowd completely turned on because WWE pitched as like, this is an all time mm. classic match. And the crowd completely turned against it. And I was actually quite looking forward to re- uh, revisiting that. Anyway, uh, Abner Hab continues. What I mean is WWE can push them and make the whole company around these two guys. In my fantasy world, Black wins the Rumble, defeats Lesnar at Mania and has a healthy run. At the same time, Murphy wins money in the bank and does his own thing. Come Survivor Series, we have Black versus Fiend. And then after Black loses, because it's the Fiend, Murphy cashes in and you continue the story. What do you guys think? Do you think WWE can build the company around these two? I think Alistair Black has a chance. I love Buddy Murphy and don't take this as a slight against him, but I don't see him as, I don't, you know, some people, as great as they are, have a scene of an upper mid-carder. Like Cesaro's unfortunately one of them in my head and, and Buddy Murphy is. But Alistair Black has something. He could genuinely transcend into a mainstream position. Yeah, I'm not sure that these those are the two guys to build the company around as much as I like both of them. Tom Delves, uh, hey, WrestleTalk, glad to got a couple more here. Um, did you notice at the end of AEW, Mox was meant to grab another bottle, but it broke in his hand before he could do anything about it. Only Luke mentioned liking that he didn't interact with Hager, but that might have been purely by accident. Was it an error or actually improved things? No, I, I think the, the the Hager thing was 100% intentional because they're protecting yeah. Big Hurt. Uh, but I didn't notice the other bottle breaking in no, his hands. No, I didn't know. He's uh, so strong. Uh, and the bottle's so weak. Yeah, it shows how gimmicked up those bottles were. You'd kill, you'd kill someone if you actually hit a champagne bottle over their head. Probably. I wonder if they, they learned from the chair incident. Yeah. <laughs> the chair's just going to disintegrate when you pick them up, like when Buffy the Vampire Slayer vampires <laughs> get staked. It's dusted. <laughs> and lastly, Lorenzo Haynes. Hey, guys. I never watched a New Japan pay-per-view until my friend invited me to watch Wrestle Kingdom 14 Ooh. this weekend. I really like it and exposed me to some people I never knew of. I expressed that I didn't like the ending of day two because I'd only saw Kenta lose, but yet he took down the double champion and stood tall in the end. My friend told me that Kenta was really good as a heel and I should watch his heel turn. <gasps> Long story short, I learned about his friend Shibata and I looked up Shibata Headbutt on YouTube and nearly puked. My question is, when uh, you guys were watching Shibata matches and saw him uh, do that move did you cringe as much as I did uh, did he hit everyone that hard in every match are uh, there any moves done now in wrestling that make you cringe the biggest speech Charlotte's moonsaults to the ring uh, moonsaults out of the ring uh, PS I'm glad Shibata seems to be okay after the injury love the channel Laurie is hilarious I, I remember that day yeah because so we, we were working together when he did that headbutt and oh it's that that thud is gross and sickening it's it's one of those things where you look back in retrospect and go oh yeah you probably should never have been doing those but we were all kind of ignorant it's like when you go back when i was a kid watching all those chair shots to the head i was like yeah another one another one another one but now that makes me feel uncomfortable when shibata was doing all those headbutts before you know no one had suffered what was it, sort of a bruising of the brain or yeah. contortions Ooh, on the brain, whatever God, it was. Gross. So I love those spots. I just assumed they were relatively safe. I mean, apparently the problem there was that it was such a long match. He was dehydrated. That left his brain a bit more exposed. But, you know, that was a ticking time bomb with that sort of thing he was doing. He always laid it in thick. But the secret to safe wrestling of that style, or the safest you can be, is to hit hard in safe places. Fleshy bits like the front of the chest, the back, this bit of the neck. Don't do it to your fucking cranium. No, I remember when that match happens. Uh, well, sorry, not that match, but when they did the Shibata Ishii match at Wrestle Kingdom, I remember going around to my friends and be like, "Oh my god, dude, you got to yeah. see this match! It's absolutely insane!" And he watched and he was like, "I do not like that style mm. of wrestling." He goes, "Because they are literally like I like wrestling because it's 
they're, they're safe in there. I don't want to see people legit just kick the hell out of each other. I may as well just watch UFC. And Brian Alvarez's review of, was it, it was the Kenta... Goto. Goto match, where he said, like, it would have been safer for them to just have a real fight mm. <laughs> rather than pretend to have a fight. Yeah. Uh, I Look, Shibata was one of my favorite wrestlers. Amazing. He was t- top five wrestlers when he was active. Uh, it, and we, we had the pleasure of seeing him live a few times in Rev Pro in London. Mm-hmm. And it's a real shame. Yeah, real, real shame. But that is all of our questions. Yeah, so thank you, everyone. Please go over to Patreon to become a pledge hammer and then you at any tier and you can submit questions to this mailbag portion as well. This email comes in from Chad, who says, I'm Chad, a dedicated listener, first-time emailer, listening to the New Japan podcast, and heard you offhand mentioned not liking Firefly, the TV show Firefly. You, I love it. Yeah. That's a you thing. That's a me thing. That's a me thing. I need to hear you elaborate on this. I think we might be the only two people who agree. This is like the bands thing. Yeah. While working on my master's degree, all of my compadres were obsessed with Fireflies. They would rave about it all the time. I didn't have time to watch it, so a few years later, I decided to watch it on my own. After the first few episodes, I was watching to hope it would get better. After the series, I was hoping the movie would do something the television show couldn't. <laughs> I was disappointed. Briefly put, I think Firefly is evident of all Joss Whedon's worst characteristics. Cough, Alien Resurrection, cough. <laughs> it's beaten down by snarky dialogue, which could come from any character's mouth interchangeably. Oh, it's my least favorite everything about Wheaton dialogue shallowness of plot which is uh, not uh, hidden by story continuity and the incessant sense that Joss Whedon thinks he is very clever and has confused that with drama okay <laughs> phew. keep up the consistency and stuff oh, that's oh, I from love Chad. That. I love that line yeah that's good uh, yeah I, I just think Fireflies a fine show like it's so broadly okay that I was baffled when everyone was like oh my god it's this generation Star Wars I was like, is it? Yeah, it's, it's not that good. No, that, my uh, my housemate at university, because the film came out, uh, Serenity, when we were in my, I think my third year of university, and he came back from me and I was like, I now know how my dad felt when he saw Star Wars uh. for the first time. And I'm like, mate, it's so fine. Like, it's just okay. So fine. It's my wife's favorite movie of all time, Serenity. Wow, that's problematic. <laughs> and I've watched it and I was like, yeah, it is a fine three-star movie. And the TV show is a fine. It is... It's about as good as the best seasons of Buffy, which themselves were broadly fine. Oh, you're going to get some. But, the, you know, it's kind of within a genre of network TV around that time. I used to love, uh, what was it called? Like Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Do you remember that? And yeah. Just like the sort of network TV, Western, pretty slow. That's what Firefly was to me. But with spaceships. <laughs> I, I loved Anne Christina Hendricks, who I was besotted with. Uh, the when did Serenity come out? Two thousand seven. Because I when say. I Google it, a different film comes up, also called Serenity. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess two thousand seven. I was definitely at university, and it was either my second or third. Two thousand five. Yeah, so I wasn't okay, yeah. at uni yet. Yeah, so it was I, my second year. It was. Then. I remember seeing it, and I hadn't seen Firefly. I just saw Serenity. I didn't know Firefly was a thing, and that was my favorite film of the year. Mm. I, I I loved it when I saw it. Yeah. I think it's fine. It's perfectly okay. It's just not as great as a lot of people make it out to be. People have different opinions. Absolutely. Of course they do. Some people might watch The Twilight Zone. You heard about me talking there and be like, that's broadly fine. I finished The Irishman finally yesterday. (laughs) Took you three days. After three days. It's a three and a half hour long movie on Netflix. Too long. Uh, I did it in two one hour chunks and then uh, a big 90 minute finale. Which is what a film should be, right? <laughs> yeah. So I watched two HBO episodes 
and a payoff movie then. You know what? Now it's all done. It is too long. And there's a great two-hour movie in there. But as a, as a sort of thought experiment, it's, it's pretty interesting. You know, I, I, I feel like a better person for having watched it. And the de-aging stuff is actually really good. Mm. Yeah. Really, really seamless. I, I've not watched it because my wife will not watch a movie that is three and a half hours long. Mm. So I would have to find time to watch it on my own. And I don't think I'm interested enough to watch it on my own. Just watch it in chunks on your breaks. Yeah. Okay. I, it's Download because... it on Netflix and just watch it on my commute. I, I was... Just how score. Says you intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on at the smallest phone possible. <laughs> I, I was apprehensive about splitting the movie up because I hate doing that. I like to watch movies as chunks. Uh, no, not as chunks, as one big complete whole. One big chunk. Yeah, one big chunk. And it's actually a very episodic narrative, kind of like Goodfellas. You know how yeah, yeah. It's, it's just here are bits in a guy's life. Uh, so it's, it's actually really fine to consume it that way. Uh, well, on the subject of TV, Matt Field emails and say, Hi, Luke, Ollie, and the rest of Talk team. Don't know if any of you watch Doctor Who. Mm, which not you, anymore. Not anymore. It's rubbish. Uh, but since Chernobyl took over the writing, or Chinball, is that his name? Chibnall? Oh, I, d- I don't know the name of the new showrunner. Sorry, I completely said Chernobyl, and I don't know why. <laughs> uh, Chibnall took over writing for the show, uh, Series 11. The story ty- storytelling has been Vince McMahon-like. No wow. story callbacks, limited story progression, and the acting... Well, let's just say it's questionable. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, I, I mean, I've tried. I, I watched it. I watched the New Year's Day episode, uh, and it was it was atrocious. <laughs> and so, and I've, I found this very interesting because the big criticism of Moffat before he left was just like that guy has no idea of story progression, and he just makes stuff up on the fly, and it never makes any sense. But he thinks it's brilliant mm-hmm. writing. Um, so I was very, very you know, interested because I've not I've not seen this criticism of the, the new storytellers since he came on board. The one thing I I, I, I don't like Doctor Who because I, I think BBC dramas look really cheap and just feel like Saturday afternoon TV that has been somehow bumped up to prime time. Um, but I do like Jodie Whittaker. I think she's I think she is so likable. She's bad in it. Is she? Yeah. I oh, think she's, she's wonderfully likable. Well, should try watching Doctor Who then. She's bad in that. <laughs> well, no, that's Everyone's it. Everyone's bad. No, no but I, I watched, I've, of the two episodes I have yeah. seen her do, she was the only thing I enjoyed. She has. I love Bradley Walsh. Her, oh, he's terrible. He's, he's very. Worst. He's very bad. Oh, yeah. he's so bad in it. Um, Jodie Jodie Whittaker has her mouth open for ninety percent of the time. It's but, just always a gape. But again, I want to point out: bad acting is not like exclusive to this season of Doctor Who. That's like across the board. It's always been like, Look, that. and it's but, not exclusive. Yes, and it's you're right. And it's like that on every BBC drama. The the Doctor at least was always pretty good. You know, Capaldi, Matt Smith. Uh, Christopher Eccleston, uh, come on, who's the who's the one guy? David Tennant. David Tennant. Yeah, they're all you know. At least their performances are captivating. I find Jodie's very obnoxious. Uh, anyway, uh, Matt's email continues. I'm really not sold on Jodie Whisker, uh, not because she's a woman. I just thought the creative were high over the yeah, rock. That's that's the annoying thing. Like I feel like every time I criticize, criticize it, I feel like oh yeah, because she's the first woman to take on the role. Like, you, no, you she's take, bad. You take the Andy Datsun role. Yeah, of, yeah. Of just like well, no, no, she's a woman, therefore yeah. it, she's bad. Um, uh, but like many WWE superstars, the writing she is given is just awful. Yeah. I've just finished watching the second part of the Spyfall episodes, and I have to say it was actually some creative. 
storytelling. Hallelujah. Even though bringing back the master for the 100th time isn't that creative, mm -hmm. it's certainly an improvement and actually recalled events that happened in Series 11. I'm hoping the low ratings have woken the creators and chin ball up, just like the yearly ratings reset for WWE. What are your opinions on the show? Hope you actually watch the show. Otherwise, this is a pointless email. Thanks, boys. Matt Field. I think it's crap show. I think it's been crap for a long time. I yeah. think uh, Moffat really lost his way as well through yeah. the Capaldi days. I was I was there hook, line and sinker ready for Capaldi. Uh, it was just no nothing there story-wise, no good villains. Uh, I love Matt Smith. Matt Smith, I thought, was the best version of m m merging Moffat and the... That was the best era of Doctor Who so far for me. But I, I hope it dies a death, honestly. <laughs> and then, in 20 years' time, I can finally resurrect it with my two-series arc <laughs> that I've had since I was 15. Well, I have one last email that's comes in from Felipe. Now, this is an interesting email because this was sent to us as sort of like a news piece mm. uh, that was sent to me, Laurie, and Andy. Cheers, man. Yeah. Well, not where's, where's me? Where's me? Because I thought when I saw that it was sent to multiple people that I said like, oh, did you see uh, the Felipe's email about the fan council? You were like, no, because he did not send it to you. Anyway. What the hell, Felipe. Interesting, though, although he's also sent to Laurie and Andy, he just says, hey, Luke, <laughs> just wanted to share something very interesting regarding WWE. They just created a fan-based council. A couple of days ago, I received an email uh, headed as WWE needs your help. It was an invitation for the opportunity to join an exclusive fan council. I took a long online survey with lots of potential, uh, lots of personal questions like ethnicity, annual incomes, occupation, and a lot of related wrestling stuff about my routine, background, uh, how would you define yourself as a fan, when was the last time you watched programming, etc., etc. After finishing the survey, I received another email stating that I had been selected for the so-called council and will get Ooh. a survey soon. I got a link for a website uh, so this council will with information and access these surveys. I already filled two surveys. First one basically asked me a question about how I feel about online surveys. <laughs> which I think is very funny. And the second one asked me to rate Raw, SmackDown, and NXT on storylines, match quality, and separate categories. I'm actually quite excited about this. Maybe they started caring for what the fans actually think, or maybe this has been done before, and I've never heard about this. I'll be happy to continue sharing details with you guys of what kind of surveys they sent mm. or any other news regarding the council. Cheers, mate. Hope you have a big one with the boys. <laughs> and he sent some pictures of him on the um, on the council. Oh, fascinating. So this is, I mean, this is nothing new. They've been no. doing this now for like 15, maybe even 20 years. As long as they had newsletter surveys, yeah. Yeah, I mean, probably as long as since they had like surveys you could send out to houses yeah, yeah. like paper versions but they've always done this and they've always got the feedback and very rarely do they actually listen to it because they just get the feedback and be like no they're wrong mm -hmm. and we are right we're going to continue what we do so it's actually interesting you've seen the video that's been going around recently of Hulk Hogan wrestling in New Japan against Great Muta in the WWF champion versus IWGB champion. No. Hogan is working his ass off. He is mm. doing internationals. He is doing inseguries. He is doing like submission takedowns and stuff. And everyone's watching this going like, wow, Hogan's a worker. And it's like, yeah, Hogan was a worker, but Vince had his match. Vince had the Hogan match and he made him do it every single time. And Hogan, if he didn't have to put in the effort, he wouldn't. Put why it, would he? Exactly. Yeah. He could just do what? You mean I'd only have to take four bumps? <laughs> That's great. That sounds yeah, amazing. It's a smart idea. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I just thought we'd uh, read that email. So, if you do have anything you want to share with us from the fan council, Ooh, yeah, Felipe, uh, please do. I love it. It sounds like a, a faction. <laughs> the, the fan council. The fan council. <laughs> the inner circle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but when we get out of. Just to prepare Luke for tomorrow. <laughs> Here it is. We'll only do the first verse. It's a long song. But I don't know it that well. <clears throat> You'll get the gist. You'll have to guide me along. Turn around. Look at what you see. 
In her face, the mirror of your dreams. You're meant to be going. Am I doing the chorus? (laughs) Make believe I'm everywhere, given in the light. That's it, yeah. Written on the pages is the answer to a never-ending story. <laughs> yeah, I don't know it as well as I thought. <laughs> I know the chorus. Did you succeed in this challenge? Reach the stars. Fly a fantasy. <laughs> dream a dream. And what you see will be. Rhymes that keep their secrets will unfold behind the clouds. And there upon a rainbow is the answer to a never-ending story. Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.